This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This program is produced by podcastandradio.com. Small Biz. Small Biz America. The Brain. Our guest on this segment rebuilt his wealth in 24 months after going through a massive, really what I'll call uh, explosion, like so many of us did. A meltdown, that's a better word. $20 million meltdown in uh, 2008. Damien Lupo is our guest here on The Small Biz Brain. Damien, welcome to the program. David, I'm excited to be here, my brother. Absolutely, and uh, he just pointed out to me, of course, my Italian's not so good these days, but uh, it may never have been any good, but he pointed out that we have the same last name. Lupo is Wolf in Italian, so great to be, uh, great to have you here. You've got quite a story to share, and so uh, I'm looking forward to this segment, and, and really, today, your, your life, I mean, you're the author of five books, uh, you've gone through this arc of uh, made a lot of money, lost a lot of money. This is really... Um, you know, it's a profound story to have to tell and also to share to an audience who is in any number of places in their own business cycle. So let's start with your story, if we can, just to kind of give this all a context. You really are an entrepreneurial soul, aren't you? Yeah, David, it's it, it's not something that I think I, I really chose. This was not an intellectual decision. This was more of a spiritual decision. When, when you're when you've got the DNA of an entrepreneur, if you try to go a different direction, like I went to college and I start, I was focused on a military career, very very regimented, rigid, and that path was absolutely diametrically opposed to who I am as a human being, as a spiritual being, and that's the problem. If you don't acknowledge that and run with it, you get into a lot of trouble and you feel like your life is a living hell. So that was important for, for me to actually finally let go of that. And it, fortunately, it was done when I was pretty early, early 20s, uh, late teens. It wasn't something I woke up to at age 50 or 60 and went, dang it. So I think it's important to acknowledge as soon as possible. Well, it's interesting. You know, I'll just reflect back a little bit because I have a bit of a story uh, that relates to what you just said. And that is, is that I, I'm at the core, a creative soul. I spent a number of years in the music business, writing and producing music for radio, TV, and, and film. And before that, I was a player, right? So very creative kind of natural creativity. And for years, I did found myself in a really, really positive zone doing that from, let's say, age 11 to, to 40. And something happened when I hit 40. And I'm wondering, you know, you, you talk about an age that I am now, 57. So it's interesting how these life cycles sort of do their own things for each of us. I would imagine that many of us 
it, well, I, I should make a, that assumption. In my particular case, Damien, I ventured away from my core self and then came home again. So I don't know if that resembles anything like you felt. It sounds like it was a little bit of a different linear path for you, but, but still it relates, you know, in terms of really understanding who we are and how that alignment can mean so much in terms of success. Well, yeah, and there's there's probably always something with everybody that is a little off, and we've got this gnawing, persistent kind of tick thing going on where we know we need to be doing something different, and we don't. And there's this we, we, instead of should instead of doing that thing, we just we, we were constantly frustrated. And the moment that we let go and we honor the the question, which is what is true, that's the question that reinvented my life. I asked that question, and I kept asking it over and over. And as soon as I did that and went deeper and deeper, I started grounding deeper and I started seeing what was really going on. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm not on the right path on some of these things. And I, I started moving over. And if we'll acknowledge what's true, the reality is we can change our life in a moment, the moment we have that thought. So I think that that's what we have to start with. And it doesn't matter whether we're 15, 20, 50, 60. It doesn't really make any difference. There's always that thing that we can go deeper into the truth on. And that's that's what can change everything. Right. If I had to ask you, like in a phrase or in a you know, couple of phrases, what was true for you? What was true is that I was I was focusing on the external far more than I was focusing on the internal and the external was driven by my internal. So when I built up my $20 million portfolio and I had this massive success that anybody pretty much in the world except somebody that was a little bit smarter than me or any smarter than me would have said, everybody kind of looked at that and went, wow, you, you really you've achieved something, you have success. The problem was I didn't really have the fulfillment because deep inside I was a mess. I didn't know who I was and focusing on Ferraris and, and things that shine and things that go fast and those type of things. If that's your entire focus, there's never enough. Damien, you talk about something that's so, I think about this a lot these days. It was a different level than you in terms of the accumulation of capital versus creating meaningful, meaningful fulfillment in my life. But this idea of accumulating capital, that's very different than meaning. And that's really what you're pointing to at the core. There. Yeah, it's, it's, it actually goes right to the work that I spend most of my time on right now with, with my company. And we, we actually named it Total Control Financial on purpose because it's all about this control where people think that if they have a bunch of money that their life is going to be good. And really what they're looking for is control of their future. And the control comes from confidence. So the company is built around this message of developing the person, the investor, and making sure that we're not just saying, hey, go buy a house or go do some crazy thing, make a bunch of money and all is good because it's not. I know from experience and I've seen it enough times to where money is not the solution. It's you believing in yourself. And once you have that, it doesn't matter if the money goes away. That was the thing that I learned from something Henry Ford said a hundred years ago. Yeah. They said, you know, what, what, what happens if you lose all your money? And he said, I'd have it back in five years. Anybody with the confidence and the wealth creation uh, background will say the same thing. Doesn't matter. I know what I know and I can go do it again. So that's the confidence we're focusing on building with people. Just uh, to get into some of the details of the original business you built, it was a real estate investment company and you, uh, reportedly, I guess you bought 150 houses in seven states over a five-year period and accumulated capital somewhere in the 20 million range. How did it unravel? I mean, I understand the meltdown, but I just want to spend a couple minutes on this to just get that narrative out of the way and, and into our listeners' uh, minds. Well, I'll, I'll give you the, the way it unraveled and the lesson here so everybody can leverage off of my experience and they, and they can you know do better than I did. And that was really, I stopped listening to other people and I had all these, pro so I did all these houses, I caught the timing really well, which is what happens, it's happening right now with a lot of people. Things are booming in their little areas and they go, this is great. I'm super smart. Well, okay. The question is, are you really smart or did you catch the timing? I caught the timing, made a lot of money and then kept going and I didn't have anybody 
looking at me and saying, hey, what about this? Asking questions that needed to be asked. And so when I didn't have those questions being asked, I went out there and had all these assumptions. I assumed that these seven different projects I was going to do, they were, they were each going to kick out about a million dollars to me. Two years later, every one of those projects was in the red, bleeding at least a million dollars out of me, and it broke me in half. And that's the assumptions. Those are the assumptions that will break you if you don't have somebody else checking on your ego because your ego will grow as your success grows, and that's the problem. Yes. I uh, went through a similar phenomenon in the music space where I was very, very busy and generating a lot of capital, and you think it's never going to end. And I think this is something maybe baby boomers have too. I may be wrong about that. It may be just part of our human condition. And and I think that may be something you would say. But I guess the reason I relate to it as a generation idea is that I have several friends and maybe it's because of when we lived and when wealth creation happened in America that we have this thing in common where we, we felt like it would never end and then it did. And it sounds like you experienced something like that anyway. Yeah, it, it's really a cognitive bias. It's it's something where we, we look back and anything that we assume or that we've seen in the past, we assume it's going to continue to being the, be the same way. So we look for things that that will back it up. We yep. look for evidence. It's, it's why people with a certain philosophy tend to surround themselves by other people that have the same philosophy. We want to have that bias and we want to support the bias because we don't want to be wrong. Yes. And if something's working. We just think, oh, it's going to continue to work. And the problem is everything works in cycles. That's how the universe works. And if you think it's always going to go up or it's always going to go down, you're absolutely wrong. You will be wrong 100% of the time because it always cycles. There's no exception to that in life. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about this question that you gave me uh, before this, uh, you know, in preparation for this segment. And that is the, the idea of financial intelligence versus business intelligence. Let's unpack this a little bit from your perspective, please. Well, when when people I see this all the time where people are really good in business where they're they're good at selling, they're good at at relationships, they're good at the the interpersonal kind of stuff. And then and it's also why people that are running portfolios oftentimes are disasters as investors, because being financial intelligence where you're starting to invest or your own stuff is about emotion more than anything. It's about your own emotion. It's about you knowing you. And if you don't have that in check, you could be a great business person and you go and you every time you invest, you blow yourself up. Or what I've seen often is people will they'll they'll hand their money over instead of them focusing on developing that muscle around building the confidence and their own emotions and understanding that they'll just hand their money off and they abdicate responsibility. That's the dumbest thing you can possibly do with money. Finance is just handing it off. Off. If you don't own it, it's going to go away. Your 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 focus is somewhere else, and anything you don't focus on eventually goes away. Yeah, what you think about grows. It's so so true, and it's interesting this idea about emotional intelligence around money. You know, I had some experience day trading way back in uh, the late '90s, and one thing I learned, if anything else, I learned was this 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 bifurcation or this disconnection. In my case, and many of the traders on the floor had. Uh, the difference between following their own rules, being accountable to their own game that they set up in terms of, you know, the charts. And, you know, you understand how momentum trading works because, you know, you're an investor. You know, you can practice on paper and do theoretical trades forever and ever and ever when it's not real money involved. But something shifts when it becomes your own actual money. Can you speak to that at all? It's like you're nodding. Yeah, it's, so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how often I'll hear somebody say, you know, I've been I've been paper trading 
or I've been looking at deals. I, and I, my specialty in my background with real estate, I see people looking at deals and they can, they can invest the heck out of a spreadsheet. Like they are really good at making money on a spreadsheet. I go, your Excel skills are world class. The question is, can you go out there and pull the trigger? And the, one of the steps that I, I encourage people to take, and it's part of the work I do, if, if I end up doing mentoring with people, I always ask them to do a few different things that are outside of the norm. So if one example is I'll say, go buy an ounce of silver. I want you to hold something that's real. It's 20 bucks. It's a very different experience because when you are used to buying mutual funds, there's no real experience. You just see the markets go up or down. You yeah, have that emotion. You're disconnected but from, from the asset. Totally yeah. disconnected. I, I want you to connect. And so be people that do that, or they start building passive income, that could be a a CD at the bank. I don't really care what it is. It doesn't matter if it's terrible on interest. It's the one. It's the emotions that are involved once you get your money involved because money is so emotional. Why? Because money's energy, and and you put your money out there, which you're putting your energy out there. You're attached to it. There's like it, it's it's not just disconnected where it's gone. And, and so the moment you do that, the learning starts. If you just live on a spreadsheet, you'll never actually grow. And that's the difference between the person that takes action and the person that just thinks about it. It's action and it's this experiential reflection thing that you're sort of alluding to there. I wanted to talk a little bit about your definition of abundance, Damian Lupo. What, what is abundance? For me personally, abundance is, is the freedoms involved in life. It's the freedom to create. It's the freedom to, to be able to move freely. And that's moving in emotionally, moving spiritually spiritually, physically being able to do what I want to do and not thinking about being in jail. It, and, and this is something that I, I read from, I want to say it was Steve Jobs. And he, he asked the question every day. And what I, what am I, what I'm doing today? Is this fun? Am, am I enjoying this? And if there were too many days in a row where the answer was no, this sucks, then he, he right. would ask, should I be doing this? Because there are times where I used to think that Aristotle was right, that the point of human, that being a human was happiness. And then somebody pointed out that's not true because sometimes there's struggles that are involved and you may not be happy in the moment, but it's part of the process of growth. Yeah. There also is a point where you say, am I just going to be in pain for the next ever, you know, like for the next 20 years? Is that really what my life is about? It's suffering. I mean, I some, there's some philosophies around that. I don't happen to agree. I think there are moments and time periods for that. But I, I think it's important to, to acknowledge that oftentimes we're on the wrong path and the universe continues to tap us. And if we listen, we'll know that we need to move. But if we don't listen, we're going to continue to be in pain. I love the idea of listening to our inner voice, of course. We're visiting with Damien Lupo. His company is located at www.totalcontrolfinancial.com. Tell us a little bit about the activities. I know you've written five books. Are you doing more writing? There's a consultancy piece to this. Tell us about your current business model in addition to whatever investing you may, do, may be doing, and that may be part of the answer. Yeah, the, the business is about financial transformation. It's it's truly what we do best um, at our firm. And it's uh, many financial services firms and financial coaches and things are, are really focused on products or they're focused on a service, something that happens and then it's done. And for us, we're, we're wanting to e evolve our, our customer and build this relationship. So one of we have six values. One of them is relationship. And it's, it's about building this long-term relationship with somebody that's transformed. So we do two things. We empower somebody with a tool and then we, we educate them on what, how they can use it. And then they choose. So we're not managing money. We're, we're not telling somebody what they should do. We're saying, here's what you can do. Here's some ideas. What fits you? And then we start to build that muscle. So they go out and they do their own thing and they're not reliant on somebody else. We're really empowering people because we believe in self-responsibility. So ultimately they have their money and their future and they design it and they live it. It sounds as though you, you may offer them uh, several possible venues that they could be operating in as financial 
professionals or financial investors, maybe real estate's one of them. Do I have that right? Is it you have a few different sort of asset classes that you might recommend in an effort to find a fit for them? What we do is we we build the vehicle. So most people have a vehicle and it's called a 401k and they just go out there and they say, that's my investment. Or maybe it's their house, which is right. a disaster. Sure. But let's say that their 401k is their, their investment and they're investing in mutual funds. Total nightmare. And I mean, that thing is going to implode like people haven't even seen. But beyond that, let's just talk about the other options. And that is taking control of their money. So we, we show them options to build a different vehicle. Where they take the vehicles up to them. It's a solo 401k. It's a self-directed IRA. It's these vehicles that people can take and then they go choose what they're going to invest in. We don't actually tell them what to invest. We don't give recommendations. We're an education company. Right. So we have conversations and then we ask a lot of questions and we challenge those assumptions over and over when they say, this is a good deal. And we say, okay, cool. Why? And, and so that starts to make them go, well, because my brother told me it is or because the market's going up. Right. I don't know. Why and, do and so I believe that? It. What's the source of my belief? That's right. It. That's right. exactly right. So re- re- really, because it, a lot of it just becomes unconscious. They're so used to living in the world they live in with the family members they live with, with the friends they live with. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so fascinating. So it's really a, an emotional, psychological, transformational kind of experience that you bring to the table for your clients. That's that's one of the reasons it's so disruptive to the system. I mean, yeah. our original tagline was yeah. to disrupt Wall Street and empower Main Street because we're we're saying you're smart enough and you should be doing your own thing. We, we don't believe that people are stupid. Like Wall Street thinks people are stupid. They oftentimes look at people and go, it's too complicated. You should let us have your money, manage it. And and how does that make any sense? I mean, John Bogle, the founder of Vanguard, said, how does it make any sense when Wall Street takes on all of the money, they make 80% of the profits, they have none of the risk. You as the investor take all the risk and you get 20% of the profits. That's a crazy model. Yeah, that's an so interesting way to think about it. it. It doesn't make any sense for us to yeah. encourage that. And it's so we're just we're kind of reinventing the the financial services model and, and giving people a lot more control and power. And our customers like it a lot. Wall Street doesn't, but we don't care. We like how our customers feel. Well, that's exactly right. And I love that. And so is this the myth you refer to when you're talking about the myth on Wall Street or is this something slightly different? Well, there's there's the myth on Wall Street. There's a myth of retirement. There's all these myths and that people are buying into. And and it goes back to the the information sources that we get. So we hear from our parents and our parents, parents have good intentions. We hear from our friends, but we become the the average or the blend of all these sources. So if we're watching CNN or Fox, listening to our friends, we're going to become scared and and probably stupid if we just listen to all these people that are not pushing themselves and growing unless your friends are really in that same space or on that same track where they're growing and they're stretching and they're looking outside of the mainstream. The mainstream is trying to keep you trapped. Honestly, it's not helping you. You've got to go beyond it, which is what we're doing here. This is not mainstream. This is something way different. And this is where people start to grow. And that's what we encourage them to do. Rethink your influences and start to define that on purpose and not just by accident or proximity. You also have some views about retirement, which may align with mine, by the way. I'd like to hear from you. David, retirement to me means you're done, you're dead. You're, when, exactly. you, when you think about 100 years ago, people retired. You, you said, okay, we're going to retire the the equipment because it's breaking down, so we're going to go bury it in the backyard. The horse is old. We're going to retire the horse and go shoot it. I mean, this is – so now we're going to say you're you're retired because you happen to be 60 years old or something. Give me a break. At 60, you've got 40 years of wisdom, experience, and the ability to really start impacting people in an even deeper way, and we're going to say we're done. We're going to live 40 years struggling through to get a gold watch, and then we're going to say, I've got a pile of money if we're lucky, and then we are scared to death to lose it, and then we're not really going to spend it on the experiences we waited so long to do. I think the whole point of retirement should be blown up. The The whole idea of it should be blown up. I, 
I don't like it. I think it's it's a destructive emotional and spiritual idea. And I, I think we should rethink how we live our lives, get rid of that and start living all the way through and start building that confidence all the way through instead of handing over our, our future to somebody's model that makes them rich and makes us scared. I really do agree with that. And the idea of, first of all, ending, I mean, it's disintegrated. I've always been, as a creative guy, I like to find integration in my life. I like that word integration. There are other words that describe it, but it's a blurry line between play and work for me. I, I lo- I've always loved what I do for the most part. The universe is conspiring with you when you love what you're doing and you're in the middle of this creation space. Absolutely. And that's the thing people don't get. If you say, I'm going to, I'm retired, I'm just going to hang out. I'm going to go to the beach and drink margaritas or play golf or whatever it is we think we're going to do when we're retired. There's a reason the average male in the United States dies within a few years of retiring because the universe looks at you and, get, and says, you're taking up space and resources and I'm going to apply those to some, somebody that's actually creating. I, I believe that's how things work. I think that's why there's a consistent death to people that check out. And when you engage, you're mentally engaged. The universe conspires with you and all sorts of magic happens. There's another thing that we've been talking about here, and this is this interplay or this idea of the future versus the past versus the present, right? What are your thoughts about, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier that you help people trans, you help people transform the way they think about their future in terms of taking control of capital. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but you mentioned it in terms of a future going idea, but I'm going to guess after talking to you for the half hour, nearly half hour that we've spent together, that you're really about like taking control of the present too, right? I am because the power, the, uh, the power is in the present. There is no power in the future. The power is not in the past. That, that can be a, an anchor or it can be something that you leverage from. Mm. And what I like to do is take people and say, okay, what's, what's your idea of a good return, a good growth rate for your life, for your money or whatever. Yeah. And people will say, that's ah, like 10% because they've been brain damaged and thinking that's what you're supposed to say. The truth is if you can say, well, it's let's, let's think about something different like 10 X 10 times. What happens is it disrupts everything that you've used in the past to build whatever it is you have right. and you have to start thinking into the future and say okay the past has to just itself justify itself to my future otherwise it doesn't get a play if you do 10% then you're stuck in the past and you're incrementally changing so we start with the 10x idea that's one of our other six key values 10 the 10x thinking forces you to disrupt yourself and it forces you to expand into a much bigger future and it makes you think okay if I had to start over which I probably do because I'm not going to get 10x with my past behaviors what would I have to put in my life? The people, the things, the business, the activities. It really forces you to reimagine what is possible and it changes everything. So that one idea will change your life. I love it. I love it. For those listening, the website is www.totalcontrolfinancial.com. We've been visiting with Damien Lupo. So glad you could be with us today. Uh, Damien, thanks for joining us on the program. David, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Absolutely. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.